Hello, Oda Fest listeners. We are so, so excited to be here. It's me, Nancy, and Angelo. Hello, hello. And today hello. we have a very special episode for you, because quick, Jay's not here, so let's talk. Yes. But first, but first, we have announcements. We are so excited to announce that voice actor Erica Mendez will be joining us at OdaFest 2023! She has lent her voice to an impressive list of fan-favorite characters, including Retsuko in Agretsuko, Ryuko in Kill a Kill, and Gon in Hunter x Hunter. Not only that, but she has also worked on video games like Genshin Impact, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and Scarlet Nexus, and has even done script adaptation work for anime series like The Promised Neverland and Sailor Moon. And OdaFest, showing love to itty-bitty giant robots everywhere. Enter our Gunpla Showcase at odafest.com slash gunpla for a chance to win some awesome prizes. Yeah. We're excited to announce that Lucian Dodge will be joining us at OdaFest 2023. With an impressive career spanning animation, video games, commercials, and more, Lucian is known for his incredible range and versatility as a voice actor. You may recognize him as Zoosite and Motoki Furuhata in the Sailor Moon series, Waver Velvet in Fate Zero, and Jafar in Magi, the Labyrinth of Magic, among many other iconic roles. Get your tickets today at odafest.com. Oh my gosh, we've had so many good guest announcements this week. <gasps> we do. We do. I'm excited. We're, we're getting the hype. We're getting the guests. We're getting everybody. It is the end of March, which means you only have roughly a month-ish to get everything ready yeah. for Odafest. Oh, yeah. So start planning everything now. And just a reminder, Saturday, you can't get tickets at the door. You got to get them online. Mm -hmm. Get your tickets now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do it. Yeah, you can't do that thing where you used to uh, just show up on the Saturday of Odafest and go, yeah, I'd like to go to Odafest today because you will not be able to do that. So please, please, please plan ahead. Yes. Ah. So like Nancy said, Jay's not here. There's nobody to stop us. We can talk all the techno babble that we want to this week. Immense nerge begin now. Yes. So... Wasting no time. I've been having computer problems lately. <laughs> I've been having big computer problems lately. And my dear listeners, I'm here to rant about them to you. Because it is for you, my dear listener, that I'm going through such pain. Indeed. Indeed you are, so, literally. I don't know why. I haven't figured out why yet. But it's been a solid eight months where my recording setup hasn't actually worked properly. I don't know why, but I know what is kind of happening to cause it. So when you're recording, most most mm -hmm. PCs, when they're doing their thing, they record at 44.1 kilohertz. That means that every second, they are taking 44,000 uh, uh, readings of what your voice is yes. doing. That is correct. And for like just just a Discord call, chatting in a video game, that's good enough. Mm -hmm. But we care for your ears, dear listener. We want you to have the best experience possible. So we record at 48 kilohertz. That is that is 3900 
samples per second more. Good mathing. And my system hates that. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. So it's it's most obvious for me when I'm streaming. When I'm using OBS, mm -hmm. if I have my system set to 48 kilohertz, it gets chunky. It gets chirpy. It gets clicky. It is the most annoying thing to listen to. And I could hear it. I, for some reason, it interferes with the desktop audio. Oh, that's like, complicated. It's so weird. And I thought that this this clearly must be an issue with Windows. Obviously. Uh, I've gone through many. <laughs> I've actually gone through many troubleshooting steps at this point. Uh -huh. At first, I thought my my audio board must be damaged. I replaced my audio board admittedly with a lower end one i have i have a very nice uh mackie board that mm. is uh a smaller version of what jay and alfred used to use to record the podcast eons ago eons ago when we used to do things in the same room together yeah exactly and so i replaced it with a very popular little audio interface called a scarlet solo Mm-hmm. very and popular I was actually very happy with it mm-hmm but then that same chirping behavior happened, and I was like, well, I, I just spent 160 or $170 for no reason. So I returned it. <laughs> I returned it. Yeah, unfortunate. It is a very nice little interface, and it's so mobile because you can just pick it up and take it somewhere. That's what I really liked about it. The only complaint that I actually had with that audio interface mm -hmm. was that uh, if you plug your headphones into it, the dial that controls your microphone gain also controls the headphone volume. Uh, there is a separate knob for that. Maybe. At least I think there is. But the one Mine that I had, a separate knob it, for it didn't allow that option. It didn't work. But I don't know. I only had it for about a week. I mean, totally and that fair. was like four or five months ago. Totally fair. Anyway, that aside, what was your next step in troubleshooting? Uh, my next step was just dealing with it. And that got <laughs> annoying. Just deal with it. Let, let me tell you, you can you can just deal with something painful or annoying for a very long time. But eventually on some idle Tuesday, you get so annoyed with it that you feel like you want to change it. And so I decided clearly if this was happening with two different audio interfaces, this is a Windows problem. Must be. Absolutely. Must be. Also, as a fellow human, I can absolutely understand the whole, I can deal with this for a while. Yeah. And then one day you just snap. You just snap. You're like, I, this is, this is shit. This, this is, is ruining my life. This is the bane of my existence. And so I went to the system 32 folder and I pressed the delete button. You did what? No, I didn't do that. Okay. <laughs> I did it the right way. I, I, down mean... I downloaded the little thing from Microsoft. I burned it to a USB drive. I plugged the USB into the computer and button mashed F12 on startup. And, uh, and then I reinstalled Windows the regular way. But it's more fun to say that I deleted System 32. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean... At some point in the history of Windows, that was the fastest way to get something done. Yes. Because I something. think, I can't remember which version of it was, but if it detected things that were missing, like DLL-wise in System32, it would, it would try and reinstall it for you. That sounds horrifying. 
Yeah, like at some point, I swear, like it, if it went, oh, there's a missing DLL in this folder, I'll just reinstall it. It was like the fastest way basically to reinstall or reset drivers that had gone badly for you. Obviously, you don't want to do all of them all at once, but hmm, it was something that actually happened. I'm pretty sure I remember doing something like that with a really old PC at some point. That must have been like Windows 3.1 or Windows 95 or something. Yeah, something like that. Because I uniquely remember that behavior in Windows XP would kill your system. Yes, probably. Probably. Most likely. Anyway, so you formatted your entire PC. Yes, and I don't regret that. Honestly, there, there's been a lot of cruft, a lot of crusty buildup over the years in the operating system in Windows that it's nice to have a nice, clean uh, starting point. Mm-hmm. And it fixed nothing for me. Ah, uh, I was gonna say they do recommend that you do that occasionally. Just oh, clean yeah. out all the old junk that builds up over time. Back when I was in college, I was doing so much bullshit with my PC that I'd be reinstalling Windows uh, every two weeks. Ugh, uh, it was fun for me back then. Hey, to be fair, during COVID, I reinstalled Windows on my gaming laptop five times. Six times due to all the times I had to bring it back for RMA. Oh, my God. So you remember that story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh I, my God. I, I did actually also recently have to do like a driver reset. So I'll get into that after Angelo finishes his tale of harrowing woe. So at this point, it's not the audio interface. It's not the thing that I plug my microphone into. Mm-hmm. It's not the software running on my PC. It shouldn't be my PC, but let's just check because that's just in case. I feel like that's easier than replacing my microphone. No, it's not. I feel like that's more likely to be the problem over my microphone. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I had some old computer parts lying around. I had some old computer yes. parts lying around and I was thinking, you know, All I need to make these parts useful is a case, a box to put them in, Mm -hmm. and a cooler so that they don't go thermonuclear on my my bedroom floor. So they don't melt your other parts together. And while I was doing this, I was like, oh, I also have a bunch of old hard drives around. I could turn it into (laughs) a good... uh, Network storage system. I could put all my files on there. My desktop PC is getting kind of full. I've only got one terabyte of space left. Imagine saying that uh, 15 years ago. Oh, I only have one terabyte of space left. This is a problem. Do you remember when movies were like under a gigabyte? When they were 700 megabytes, specifically so you could burn them to a CD. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oof. That that laptop that I was talking about in college that I would be reinstalling Windows on every two weeks, it was mm-hmm. only 80 gigabytes. Ooh, only. And that was fine. I was happy with that. I think back then 80 gigs was, a, was pretty luxurious. It was a little bit Spartan at the time that I had the laptop. Really? Wow. At that point, 300 gigs was more of the, the norm. Oh, that's true, I guess. So, I buy these parts, I build the PC, 
I take a step back and look at my work and I'm like, holy moly, that's a pretty computer right there. It is. That, <laughs> that looks better than my actual PC. I got this nice, this nice white case with a wood grain accent. Ooh. It has a tempered glass side. Uh, I got a big air cooler. That air cooler actually keeps that processor, the CPU, cooler than my water cooling loop that I used to use with it did. Interesting. That sounds it's like it good. almost fits in like a modern and Nordic, you know, home. It's got that Nordic aesthetic to it. It does. It really does. And so my plan is that I'm going to put Linux on there because it's free. I don't have to pay for another Windows uh, license. And mm -hmm. Linux will be good for the network storage problem. Mm -hmm. And so I build it. I install Linux, which was its own thing. I'm not going to bore you with the techno babble of that. But then I set up my network storage. It's flawless. It's so good. Holy moly. I can hear the, the, the garbage hard drives clicking away. They shouldn't be clicking, but they're server <laughs> hard drives, so they do that. Your little zombie drives. And then I decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try using this as a recording station. Yeah. I figure this should be easy. I plug mm -hmm. the USB cable from my sound interface to this PC and I go in and try searching to see if I can change the settings, the recording settings, because it's probably going to be at that 44.1 kilohertz setting. Mm -hmm. And I want it at the 48 kilohertz setting. Mm -hmm. So I go in, I look it up, and it seems weird. So this being a little bit of an, an advanced uh, board, it's got a few different inputs and a few different outputs that it shows up as. Okay. Even in Windows. Mm -hmm. So it's like two different inputs in Windows, two different outputs in Windows. So I have to be careful which one I'm choosing. Right. In Linux, it showed up as six for each one. Ooh. But only in Audacity. Ooh. On top of that, I had to go into like the permissions of each application and make sure that Audacity could even see it in the first place. Audacity couldn't see it in the first place. And I was like, what's going on here? And then I had to click through each one to find which recording channel was actually the one that I wanted. Okay, great. So how do I change it to 48 kilohertz? In Audacity, there's a little checkbox, but that just tells Audacity what to expect. That doesn't sell, say anything about what Linux is going to send to Audacity. Okay. So I do the Googling, as any Linux user must. Indeed. The only way in, in modern Linux that uses a system called Pulse Audio is you have to edit a text file. Now, any Linux user would think, oh, editing a text file. That's the normal course of action. That is, it, it is that legitimately. That normal, actually. This is my problem with Linux is that uh, you have to be a computer enthusiast to really use it. Mm -hmm. To do anything more than just web browsing, you've got to be a goddamn nerd. People, a lot of nerds will say, oh, Linux is perfectly usable for my grandpa. Yeah, because your grandma and grandpa just go to Facebook. But as soon as they want to do something like their taxes, they're fucked. 
Uh, and in my case, well, sure, I can edit a text file, but why should I have to? And if I want to do a lot of troubleshooting, do I really want to go, okay, uh, edit this text file. Oh, make sure that I copy the old text file just in case I make a typo. And by the way, uh, now that I've edited the text file, I have to either reboot the PC or I have to kill the process. Ooh, I have to make sure that it changes. So I do all that. I set it up. And then there's something weird that I notice. Both audio channels are working on the PC, but for whatever reason, the left audio channel is way louder, like four or five times louder. Weird. To the point where it's nauseating to even use that. And this oh. was me 30 minutes ago realizing this. Oh. And I was like, you know what? I can't use the PC for this recording session at least it needs more troubleshooting. So I'm basically a week into this project trying to just set up this PC just to be able to record. And I'm finding more issues with it. Ah, that's that's always been the trouble with open sourced things. Typically, you pull at one thread and it pulls four or five more along with it. And then you try and dress those four or five things. And those also come with their own four or five things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a, an amazing clip from Malcolm in the Middle where Hal, Brian Cranston, mm -hmm. tries to turn on a light, but the light bulb is burnt out. He goes to open a drawer f to get the light bulbs. The drawer is squeaky. So he goes to get the uh, WD-40 to, to grease the drawer. The can is empty, but the shelf it's on is, is uh, loose. So he gets the nails, but he's out of nails. So he goes to the car to get the stuff to fix all the other things. And the car doesn't start. So he pulls the motor out of the car. And then Lois comes in and he's like, Hal, the light's burnt out. Can you replace it? And he just looks at her from under the car and he says, what do you think I'm doing? <laughs> that is what using Linux is like. You need to pull the engine of the car so that you can go to the store so that you can buy the stuff to fix the other five things so that you can replace your light bulb. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's extremely close. I somehow thankfully avoided all of that this week. So this week, while I was playing Genshin Impact, I realized that my keyboard was doing this funny thing where it just like wouldn't take keyboard input for like a second. And it would happen intermittently. Like, I would just be playing, it would load a new scene, and then I would be trying to hit W to move forward. And it just doesn't do anything for a second. And then it kicks in. Oh. And you're like, that's weird. And then I started noticing it was doing it whenever I was alt-tabbing, because I alt-tab back and forth to Discord all the time, chat with my friends, right? And then I started noticing that, yeah, this also happens while I'm typing an email. There is definitely something wrong with the whole oh, keyboard. No. Not just like, you know, the WASD keys like it was on my last computer. No. My last computer, it was because WASD sat immediately on top of where the CPU chip oh, is. No. And that poor, that poor sucker was pinned at like 94, 96 degrees Ugh. like all the time. And so it actually loosened the electronic couplings, the links between the switches and the thing that interprets said actuations. So 
That was a different laptop? This is a completely new laptop as of December. Oh my god. This shouldn't be happening. Okay. First things first. Nancy's brain goes in, into panic security mode. F I have a keylogger. How the hell did I get one of those? <laughs> and you think about it and you're like, well, I haven't done anything weird anytime recently. Like, I haven't gone to a website that I haven't been going to regularly for a while. Like, I haven't been going to anything new. And if I do, usually it's in like a Firefox incognito browser, so it's fine. What is it? I should interject uh -huh. here. Incognito browsers or incognito tabs are not good for virus security. Yes, unless but. you have a sandboxed one. Okay. If you have a sandboxed browser, it's, you know, that's, that's safe. The sandbox is compromised, but not the rest of your computer. So you're like, okay, whatever. Mm, what is it? I don't know. I'm really freaked out, though. Do the usual thing. Check for all updates. Da-da-da-da-da. The only thing that I can remember updating this week was the new patch for Genshin. But it's still doing it when I'm not running Genshin. It happens all over the place, anywhere where keyboard input's required. Okay, next step. Plug in a regular keyboard and see if it's still doing it. It is not. Ooh. Oh, that's hardware. Reset the driver. Done. Fixed it. It was perfect. Oh, that my was, God. This is the rare case where, like, your second or third thing that you tried fixed it. Nice. And it's really rare, especially when you consider if you summarize all of Angelo's woes about audio interface recording. This is the other end of that spectrum. You actually solved a problem within the first two, three I mean, steps. did you try to turn it off and on again? Yeah, it, it was consistent. Okay, good. It, it was consistent between reboots, so it was clearly something else going on. So, thank goodness. This is the one time where resetting drivers actually did something. That's that's something that I've noticed on, like, gamer laptops. Yeah? The keyboards have drivers. Yeah. Why? Because they have RGB lights in them. Th that should only affect the RGB, not the, not the typing. I know. Jeez. I know. I Jeez. know that. I know that, and you know that. I'm not the one who wrote the firmware. But who knows? Thinking back on that, I too would worry about like a keylogger or, or something like that. Yeah. You know who never worried about that? Mr. Linus Sebastian. Linus. Oh, of Linus, Linus Tech Tips. Yes. They had a really bad week. They did. They had. One of the worst weeks they've ever, ever had, I think. So, Linus Tech Tips is probably the most popular uh, tech news and tech stuff on YouTube. They had a really bad week where somebody on their team just clicked the wrong file. Ooh, no, not, not totally true. But, you know, did open a file that was emailed to them. Yes. It looked legit. It looked legit. And after that... Everything went to hell. So, eons ago, there were these things called keyloggers where when you type, it sends everything you type to somebody else. And then they're like, oh, ha, ha, I got your password. I can log in now. And mm -hmm. since that became so popular, uh, every big company started coming out with something called two-factor authentication. Mm -hmm. So if you try typing in your password, they're like, but is it really you? Let me text you something or let me email you a code 
or let me get another code from another app on your phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is super secure. It yeah. is so secure that the password to Gabe Newell's Steam account is known and out there on the internet. Mm, and I don't think he's ever going to bother changing it. No. Honestly, I've never changed my uh, Steam password either. That's fair. But what's crazy is the way that Linus Tech Tips got hacked bypasses the passwords Entirely. completely. Entirely. So have you ever noticed how when you go to like Facebook or Instagram uh, or even like Twitter or, or YouTube, or your they email. always log you back in? Mm-hmm. Always. They yep. want it to be so easy for you to use it. They want it to be so easy for you to come back that you are always logged back in when you go there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What happens is your browser keeps something called a session variable, a little code that tells the server on the back end, this is me. I was here like five hours ago or a day ago. Remember mm-hmm. me? Yeah. And so... The malware that Linus Tech Tips uh, got, it hijacked that session so that they could change anything they wanted. No passwords, no two-factor authentication. That is crazy. Yeah. So, okay, so someone basically got in, uh, started streaming, live streaming a video of Elon Musk espousing some some kind of crypto currency yes and trying to scam people into clicking on the link and because it was you know streaming on a channel like linus tech tips it seems it legit looks legit it looks kind of legit you know if you weren't someone who had been paying a lot of attention to things linus has said in the news recently or any of his other groups of content creator um channels saying things you'd be like hmm Elon Musk is on LTT. Hmm. That looks pretty sus. But if you didn't know better, you might have thought it was real. Like you might think, oh, Elon Musk, he's a big tech guy. Obviously, he would be on the Linus Tech Tips channel. Mm hmm. And telling me to click here for some crypto. Hmm. And the way the, the stream itself wasn't the scam, the scam was down in the description where they're like, hey, if you send us one Bitcoin to this address, we'll send you two Bitcoin Double. back. Yes. Uh, pro tip. Like, that, that always sounds too good to be true, right? Pro tip. Bernie Madoff, the biggest Ponzi scheme in history, promised, like, what, 8 or 9% returns or something like that? And that was unbelievably huge. Uh, 100% returns are always a scam. Always. If someone is saying they'll double your money, uh, they will take all of your money and double their own. Yeah, that is too unrealistic. Yes. Uh, They will have gone to 100% of your money from their 0%. What was crazy was that once it happened, they almost had no idea how to undo everything. Uh, They they kept trying to lock him out, right? Like, they, they revoked his stream key. They... Ended up getting their entire channel deleted. Yes. YouTube came in clutch and restored everything. Yeah. But even they were like, we don't know what's going on. We don't know how this is happening. Uh, Something's going on. So 
Sometimes, not always. There are uh, usually login or privacy security settings somewhere that says log out all other sessions. That's probably the button you want to be hitting, but not all services offer that. Exactly. Not all services offer that. I remember back when uh, I used my Crunchyroll account, they actually have somewhere in their menus Mm -hmm. uh, a menu that says all the devices you've logged in on. Yes, yes. And there was, at one point in time, a uh, a Crunchyroll got hacked and the passwords and everything got leaked. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in my Crunchyroll account one day and I see an iPod Touch in the list of devices. Oh, that does not sound like you at all. I do not buy Apple products. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there looking at that and like, like, hmm. No. Log out that device. Time to change password. Oh, no. Yeah. Woof. Oh, no. Woof. So this is something that can happen to anybody. What happened to LTT, that absolutely can happen to anyone. So just... Be careful out there, but what it happens to someone big like that, that is just crazy. Well, yeah, because, you know, it's a it's a really big reminder that it can happen to you. You don't even have to be like a huge content creator Targeted. to be the target of something like this. If they can take over any part of your digital identity for their own game, oh, yeah. they will. Oh, yeah. On the plus side, every time I've gone to my bank's website, I'm always logged out. That is there, that. That's good. That is very. They good. make it super annoying to use their website, and good job. So does the CRA, and that's also a good thing. Like, oh my god! Every time we, I try to, you know, get in. For example, it's tax season. I go in for my parents, and my parents watch me, you know, trying to log in on their computer so they can, so I can show them how to do it. And they're like, "But that's so annoying." I'm like, "Yes." It's on purpose. It's so people can't log in as you and do horrible things with your identity as a Canadian citizen. It used to be 10 times worse. So uh, now the CRA has a system where you can actually use your bank account to log into the CRA. Yes. And thank God for that. Because before they had that system, if you forgot your password, the process like of process. resetting the password was them mailing you a code. Snail yeah. mail, not email. They mail a code to your last address they had on file mm-hmm. on real paper. Yeah. What? It was like a two-week process. Um, sometimes it involved being on the phone with an actual CRA agent. It, it was. Oh, it did. It was a long, long recovery process if you ever forgot your password. But thankfully a lot easier again like being able to log in with your bank at least you know your bank is a usually trustworthy source of identity confirmation and not only that you probably use your bank more than once a year so you actually remember the password yeah there's that too yeah please please use the password manager if you don't use the password manager please do Uh uh-huh just just gonna just please Please don't write down your passwords in a notebook somewhere. Please. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> this this week, uh, so LTT got to talk about what happened this whole week. Um, props to them; they released a video right away to talk about what happened. Like Linus basically went through the entire series of events, and then he went online for his weekly like news and chat show, and. 
guess what? He had two very special guests. And those two very special guests, if you're in Calgary and you're into photography at all, you would recognize them because they used to work for the camera store. They did a lot of camera reviews for them on their YouTube channel, and then they moved to dpreview.com. And the big news that I found out and was super surprised by dpreview.com, it is going away. April 10th is the day it's going to be shut down. All of it is evaporating. If you've ever participated in the community, if you've ever used any of their camera uh, comparison tools, anything like that, it's all gone. They're not even going to keep the website up and, you know, keep the old material available. That's like 25 years of journalism that is evaporating on the 10th of April. And it upsets me because journalism is already on such precarious footing. And the other thing that just just absolutely blows me away. Did you know Amazon owned them? Because I didn't. At no point was it apparent to me that Amazon had bought dpreview.com. Back in 2007, they have been operating this entire time really without any input from their parent company other than maybe bankrolling. I blame Jeff Bezos for this. So I, th I suspect a lot of the layoffs that have been happening in the tech industry, uh, this is part of it. This is part of the downsizing efforts. Someone, so apparently, according to the two guests, uh, sorry, the two hosts that are often seen on dpreview.com's YouTube channel, according to them, it was a running joke that one day Amazon was going to notice that they owned them and like was going to actually do something with them. But until then, they were going to just keep running the way that they've always been running. They just had a parent company now. And I think that with all of the layoffs that have been happening at Amazon, like across their warehouses, across their, their AWS tech side, all that stuff, I think this is finally when someone looked at the books and said, who the heck is dpreview.com and why do we pay their bills? Chuck it. <sighs> and I'm just so mad. Someone actually, a bunch of people actually reached out to Linus and said, can you do something about this? Like, this is 25 years of unbiased photography and video journalism that's just going away. Like, they had some of the most reliable um, discourse around whenever anybody came out with a new device or, you know, they had like these super educational articles on like different video uh, encoding and I learned so much from them in the 25 years that they've been around. And like, I always went back to them time and time again. They helped me buy my last camera. I'm just so upset about this. And yeah. it's just going to go away. That's it. No one is going to be able to save this. Linus actually looked at it and was like, I can't buy this. Like, even if I was somehow able to get Uncle Jeffy on the phone and, and get him to... uh get a good word in with somebody at Amazon I mean, so that I could buy this. Amazon would have to put it like, for sale. That's not going to happen. The reality is they probably get a massive tax write-off explicitly for uh, canning them like this. Yeah, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. But like... I don't know for certain. This is pure speculation. <laughs> but you know how there was like that, that uh, Discovery Channel shenanigans where they took a lot of their projects that were actively working mm -hmm. completely canceled them 
and explicitly said that they will never see the light of day. Oh my gosh. That last part is part of how they get the tax write-off for them. Uh, because what? if you release any part of it, if you release it at all, if it ever makes a dollar, then they are no longer allowed to use the the loss as a tax write-off. So maybe the whole point of deleting this website from the internet is one way that Amazon gets to count it as a loss. I don't know for certain. 100% uh, speculation. I mean, I think back when Amazon either first way, bought that it, just sucks. Like the, the people who were running DP Review probably thought, oh, Amazon's probably going to start trying to push like a sales platform for the gear that we talk about in Would've all of sense. our, you know, in all of our news, right? Like you've seen it. You go to a review website about anything and there's embedded um, like referral links oh, yeah. to, to go purchase XYZ thing from Amazon, from, you know, BNP, like whoever. But it's like, this is just, it's all going away. The, the worst thing is that the tools are going away too. Like, even if someone tries to archive, like, just the educational materials, the tools are going away. Like, the active, like, video and photo device comparison tool is going away. Like, there was a fairly extensive database of, like, photos for comparison between two kinds of cameras. And it was it was so educational. I, I just, I loved that. And it was always there for me. And now it's going to be gone. Yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't like it when just things disappear from the internet intentionally. You know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. And I feel like this is something that's becoming a little bit more common. Uh, so this is a completely different field of entertainment uh, away from uh, camera and photography reviews, this behavior, for whatever reason, is really common among VTubers. Oh? Yes. I hadn't noticed. So, in, in VTuber culture, there's this thing called graduation. Ah, uh, uh, I do know where of that. a VTuber is no longer going to be streaming or no longer going to be producing content, basically, when they're quitting the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and for any kind of corporate VTubers, so those from like Hololive, uh, Niji Sanji, any of them that have some kind of company backing, I don't quite understand why this is. When they have the option, they have the choice, there's nothing wrong with leaving the YouTube channel there. Mm -hmm. They almost always delete the YouTube channels, delete the uh, Twitter channels, or private them, make them unlisted. Wow. And they just evaporate. part of what I've been explained is that it is a part of like Japanese culture to embrace the impermanence of things hmm. and let things be deleted. Uh, but me, a cultured data hoarder, says that's bullshit. Fuck that noise. Man, like, OK, I couldn't imagine a world where I couldn't go and look up like old, old Monty Ohm animations. Yeah. I don't want I don't want that to go away. You can find stuff on the internet from the 90s. In fact, it wasn't it wasn't until Space Jam 2 got announced that the original Space Jam website got repurposed for it. The spacejam.com website was the exact same website 
from like 1998 or whatever it was up until like two years ago. Damn. And it was so it was so deliciously 90s. It was so Web 1.0. I loved it. It was so charming. And like, I know that I I think I suspect like there's going to be a lot of Internet time machine caching of things from dpreview.com, but it's just not going to be the same. No, it's not the same. When you have to go to like Web Archive or if you fire up a, a web scraper and download your own archive of it, it's not the same. And it kind of sucks because like, you know, it's never going to change. You know, it's all old information, even if the information is valuable. Even well, if it's entertaining. Yeah. It's kind of sad. It yeah. is. And like the thing is, is I think even with Internet Time Machine, you can't search the website the way that you used to be able to. You can't like enter in some keywords and use the same website search engine that it used to run on. Exactly. You have to know specific pages that you want to go to. And that that also, you know, defeats the purpose because sometimes you go to whatever model of, for example, like a Fuji camera that y- – it's mentioned in a bunch of different comparison articles, like, you know, old fashioned journalism. This model was mentioned, you know, in comparison to this or that, or maybe it got like a spotlight. You can't just enter keywords in and search it up anymore because those pages are gone. Yeah, They're stored in an archive. And if you don't know the explicit page you want to work, you want to actually go to, you can't just go to it. Yeah. You don't get that network of like connection that that network of oh this this was mentioned here there's a keyword here that maybe you're interested in it's all gone (sighs) it's just mega mega sad for me this was such a part of my my like photography hobby my identity there it is by it's gonna be it is by no uh exaggeration a core input of who you are today yeah it is yes. really sad. Like uh, the the hosts um, that were most commonly, you know, like seen on on the DP review videos, they're they're moving on to Petapixel, which is great because they can continue doing what they're really great at. Uh, and they are local here. Uh, I think I've actually accidentally come across them before because you always recognize locations where they're shooting like their their videography comparison videos, for example. And you're like, oh, I know them. I'm going to stay over here because I don't want to get in their way. <laughs> You should uh, you should go bug them sometimes and tell them, hey, you should run a cosplay photography panel at OdaFest. Have you heard of it before? Oh, my gosh. You know what? They'd be so popular because there are so many hobby photographers, photographers, oh, yeah. photographer and videographers oh, yeah. at OdaFest. Like I, I can think of more hobby photographers than I have on my fingers. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just like, there's so many of them. They they would pack uh, a room. They would. Yeah. 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 Like, gosh, it's just such a huge loss. And the the implications of what it, what it would be like, you know, if it was any other kind of journalism that was owned by a big company like Amazon that just decided to, to scrap them. I mean, could you imagine? <sighs> I blame Jeff Bezos and his bald head for this. <laughs> I blame someone. I don't know who, but it's really, really just me trying to sort through my feelings and 
reaching a, some kind of a state of acceptance that this is happening, but I haven't gotten there yet. Like, this news is still very fresh to me, and I just want to thank Angelo for listening to me rant about it. I, I thank you for listening to rant about my computer problems. Which I can totally relate to. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know what else I can really relate to? The end of an episode. Looking and forward to next week's soon. episode. Exactly. With that, yes. we'll be back next week, and Jay will probably be back if we can break him out of his trunk. We'll drag him out of whatever cave he's thrown himself into. Indeed. Bye. Bye-bye.